Well, good morning. So we've obviously had kind of a theme going here today, didn't we? We've been saying a particular name over and over and over again. So I want to do something real quick to start. Uh, at the count of three, would you just shout out your first name? One, two, three. Tony. All right. So a lot of unity in that, right? Maybe not so much. Now, at the count of three, what I want us to say is the name we've been singing to, the name we've been lifting up, the name that's above every name. At the count of three, would you say that name? One, two, three. Jesus. Now, there's unity. There's unity. That's why we're here this morning, is to lift up his name. There is so much we owe to him. In fact, we owe him everything to even have hope in this day. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to read the first 11 verses uh, of the Ten Commandments. So we're not going to read in whole. Uh, but just to comment, we are in the midst of a series where we're looking at the law of God. Where we were given the law, it was, yes, written on stone tablets, and, and it was given to us, but it's also upon our hearts. It's innately given to us, and, and so that no man's with excuse. We looked at that in Romans chapter 1 in the first week. As we continue to, to address this text, we'll understand that the law, when it was given, reveals the character of God. I mean, the very law itself, by saying what we shouldn't do, tells us who God is and what he is not. But it also reveals you and, you and I by our character, who we are and who we are not. And so in this text today, we're going to discover that in the commandment we discussed today about Sabbath, that it reveals much about the heart of God and much about us. And so let's begin by reading in verse 1. It uh, says this, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or upon earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will hold, not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor any animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In Genesis, after creating uh, much in those first six days, it says in Genesis chapter 2 that then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Rest. Sabbath rest. In the Hebrew, that word Sabbath is Shabbat. 
and it means to rest. It is a unique day. It was set aside. It was blessed. Unlike all the other days where God said it was good. It was good. It was good. But on the seventh day, he said that day is going to be a Sabbath rest. And it is a blessed day. You know, it's interesting when you consider the rhythm and the pattern of the Ten Commandments. It begins with, again, it's a revelation about God and a revelation about us. And so what it spoke to is that God is God and there is no other. And that to even begin to try to create another God is an offense to God. And then to even uh, lower his status by misusing his name, as we heard Jeff speak to last week, is an offense to God. And it says here that anybody who does misuse the name of God will not be found guiltless. But then he gets here to this place where he says, remember. He doesn't begin with shall not or shall. He begins with remember the Sabbath day keeping it holy. There is something I believe that is built. God doesn't do things, why should I say, circumstantially. There is always intention to everything God does. So the fact that he, for six days, worked, and then on the seventh day, he rested, it communicates something of a pattern that God sees as complete, Seven is considered a complete number. It is the whole number. It's the perfect number. So God gives this model to us to see and to learn. So let's question this. There's much in Scripture that that is descriptive, right? And there are many things in Scripture that's prescriptive. But I think what you're going to find here is that the seventh day isn't just a description that God rested. It is prescribed to you and I because there's need for it. What if we considered this question? Considering all the burnout, the anxiety, the worry, the stress of our society. What if that is, what should I say, evidence or the result of a society that no longer practices a God-prescribed rhythm of living where there is rest that is to be done, that is set aside and different from the rest of the week. Consider this. 52%, a recent survey, very recent, 52% of all workers in America are feeling burned out. 52%. And that is up by 9% just from 2019 alone. Now, you might be thinking, well, is that kind of different based on occupation? Yes, it is. There are some occupations that are experiencing burnout at a higher rate than others. The number one occupation experiencing burnout right now, because this is a very recent survey, are teachers. How many of you are teachers here in the room? God bless you. I'm glad you're here. But joining you in the highest burnout rates right now in America are enlisted military personnel. Also, firefighters. Also, airline pilots. And police officers. Notice the connection between all of them. They are all 
put in a place where they have to protect others. So right now, in America, the most stressed out people, the most likely to burn out, are those who are assigned roles of protection. Teachers were not usually in this situation. They were not historically part of professions for burnout, but they are now. What does that tell us about what's going on in society? That teachers must feel the need to protect while they teach. Now, what's also need to be said is, What's, what uh, occupations uh, are not experiencing stress, what, that are feeling a little bit more confident and, and less burned out? Well, at the top of the list, the least burned out people in America are dietitians. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I, I made sure I looked that up in the Greek. It's, it, yeah, and it doesn't exist. No, dietitians, it's, they're the least burned out occupation in America right now. Next to them are data scientists, massage therapists, librarians, and get this, appliance repair people. <laughs> so if you're feeling burned out, learn how to fix an appliance and you'll find your life is saved. But it's a serious issue, is it not? where we feel the sense of pressure and stress regularly. Even people within the academic realm are trying to understand why all of a sudden the significant increase of burnout, where many occupations are seeing people leave it in droves because they can no longer handle the stress of it. So looking at teachers alone, the University of Arkansas, trying to understand this, began to research teachers. And one of their professors and researchers decided, you know, I think there's something to this idea of resting. And I've heard that the Christianity uh, has this built-in fabric of Sabbath keeping. So he decided to test and survey Christian teachers based on whether or not they kept Sabbath. Of those Christian teachers that were practicing Sabbath keeping, there was a dramatic difference between their mental, physical, and spiritual health compared to those Christian teachers who did not practice a special day of Sabbath. Done by a secular institution that was kind of piqued in their interest of understanding this idea of a different pattern of living, that they began to research it. And it, lo and behold, it shows up that humanitarianly speaking, they're better off following a pattern of Sabbath rest. Duke University, which happens to be connected to the Catholic Church, decides that they're going to study clergy because clergy are leaving their positions in droves right now. In the study of 1,300 clergy, they found that of those who actually followed a pattern of Sabbath keeping were not only overall healthy, but their tenure was much longer than those who did not. Their spiritual health, their physical health, their mental health, their emotional health was all at higher levels of health than those who ignored a pattern of Sabbath keeping. So these institutions are recognizing we have a problem. And you would think that maybe 
The scriptures don't speak to it. But perhaps the issue is we've forgotten. Maybe the issue is we have forgotten that God knew us. He's our designer. He's our creator. He knew us well enough to know we needed a pattern established for us to stay healthy. That's why you begin with this particular commandment as remember. Remember. So what we're going to do today in understanding how Sabbath is truly then a gift to you and I, we're going to answer three questions. <clears throat> Those three questions are this. Why did God make the Sabbath so important? Secondly, what does a Sabbath day as God intended look like? And then what day of the week should it be? There's much argument about that. So what day of the week should it be? So let's begin by looking at the question and answering the question, why Sabbath? In Genesis, when, Jesus, when God took his seventh-day break, my rhetorical question to you is this, and you can respond with a nodding of the head or a shaking of the head, or if you want to be Wayne West, you can say it out loud. Was God exhausted and tired and in need of a nap on day seven? No. I think all of us understand that. Now, we're all at varying levels of understanding and relationship to God. But there's something inside us that says, God and who he is, is sufficient for all that needs accomplished. He did not need that rest. But something in the wisdom of God and his understanding of us caused him to then create a day of rest on the seventh day resting. So then you could make the case that there's something about Sabbath we need to understand. So Jesus made this comment in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord over that Sabbath. Basically saying this, that God, who is Lord over that Sabbath, who is the creator of that Sabbath, has made it for you. And he led the way in modeling what that looks like. So this day is set aside for you and I, as people who are crea created in the image of God, to recalibrate our purposes, <clears throat> our perspective, and our productivity on this day. Because it is a day that is done differently from any other day, and it is a day done unto the Lord. And so therefore, by giving days like this, we are then able to look at what lies ahead with the right sense of purpose, the right cause, and with the light, right aspect of how to then see it for what it is, and then to productively go about it. You remove such a day, and we just become creatures of habit, driven by the tyranny of the urgent, and we slowly deprive ourselves of the perspective, of the purposes, and the productivity that the Lord intended for us. I believe our stressed out society 
is the result of unfaithfulness to God's way of doing things. I believe the church struggles as well. I shared with you that even our shepherds struggle with having healthy rhythms of how they go about their week. God calls us to retreat from the norms. As a youth pastor for 18 years, it, is, it shouldn't be a shock to say this, but there was nothing like taking students away to camp for five days. Doing life different for five days. An entire week of doing things differently from what they would normally do. And all of a sudden, they're hearing from God. They're seeing life differently. They're making choices that are different. They want to establish new purposes. They have a whole different perspective. And they come off of it way more productive than they were going into it. Why is that so? It's because they stopped. They stopped. And then the entire time is around, organized around the fabric of looking to God. The teaching in the morning, in the afternoon, the fellowship throughout the day. We do retreats as adults. We don't often do camps as adults. But we go on retreats. And again, by stopping for a couple of days, that which we normally do, we gain perspective. We gain a renewed sense of purpose. And we become more productive because we set aside something different and it's focused on the Lord. All those things, retreats and camps, are done honestly to make up for that which we neglect in our own lives. If we had applied throughout our lives a true pattern of health of living a six-day work week with a seventh day of rest, as God intended that day to look, we may not be so starving and in need of retreat as we often are. We've modeled for our kids how to busy our lives to where it's shocking to them when they go to camp that they give up their cell phones for five days. As youth pastor, I remember when cell phones became more and more common for children or teenagers to have in their own possession instead of one cell phone per household. We created a policy because we used to say you can't bring clock radios to camp. That used to be a policy. Cannot bring clock radios to camp because we didn't want the world's music communicating during that week. We wanted to set that all aside. Well, now they've got these phones that it's, it's everything. It's everything that the world offers. All the smut and darkness is all right there. So we say, leave those behind so that you can truly retreat and be in the present. And what we find is the greatest resistance to those policies are often the parents. I had parents that literally taught their kids when I was youth pastor how to hide their phones throughout the week from us. And then when confronted over it, they're like, well, they, I need to be able to have access just in case there's an emergency. Meanwhile, we supply every parent a dozen phone numbers of which work 24-7, of which we're in the rooms with those kids that we can give them direct access immediately. You see, what we see in our kids as addiction 
is way more intense than addiction to our adults. We have failed to truly separate ourselves from the norms so that when we take a day of rest and Sabbath, that we can truly have our purposes recalibrated. What we've been living for might be out of line, and we need to be able to have that day where it's focused on God to be reoriented to his purposes and therefore see life differently through his purposes and therefore lead us to a productive life that God intended. So why Sabbath? It's because we are knuckleheads. <laughs> it's not found in scripture. It's not Hebrew or Greek. But you guys all got it. And now the day. So we, we, maybe you're convinced now. It's like, okay, you've made your point. We need a rhythm of a special day. But, but it's a uniquely holy day. It's not just stopping doing the things you might have been doing for six days. No, it's something different. So let's just break down the command itself. It says to remember. So clearly God understood that this is likely a command we will forget. That somehow inherent in us, we will become forgetful of this pattern, this God-established pattern. So we're to not forget it. And then this term, keeping holy, we're to keep it holy. That is one Hebrew term that is there. And, and so instead of just saying, and make the Sabbath day holy, or to the Sabbath day is holy, it's actually meant to be an active term. It is to be made, kept practiced as holy so keep is to put into practice and holy again is the term that means set apart sacred uniquely untainted to anything anything else that might be tainted this day is meant to be holy and mindful of god not just simply a stopping of work so mindfulness of god is a key part of why the Sabbath? That because more than likely in our six days of work, we haven't been mindful of God. We've been worrying about our productivity and, and making sure that we're checking all the boxes. Meanwhile, God says you can do all that, but you can do it better and with greater purpose if you'll just let me speak into your life. So that day set apart as holy is God's pattern given to us so that we could hear from him and see life differently. It is not meant, even though the term Shabbat means rest, it's not meant to be a day of idleness. Any of the descriptions we have about the day of Sabbath does not suggest idle mind, idle heart, idle hands. It is restful because it's not working and always churning it is mindfulness of God. It's set apart as holy. but And yes, rest and maybe a nap might be included. But it's not idleness. In fact, when describing this idea of rest in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews says that this practice, because again, he's speaking to the Jewish audience, but now from a Christian perspective, a post-Messiah having come perspective. And he says, don't give up 
practicing Sabbath. This is in Hebrews 4. Don't give up practicing Sabbath because Sabbath is to remind us that there is going to come a time when that rest is permanent. Because when we die and we leave from here and go to glory, we no longer have to work. We are going to be in the presence of God in a constant Sabbath, mindful of him, aware of him, speaking to him, engaging him, worshiping with him will be a constant. And so this day of Sabbath is meant to be practiced in a way that constantly reminds us that while we work now, there will be a day when our rest is constant because we'll always be with God. Remember what the curse to Adam was once he sinned? It was work. Things became laborious. But God undid that through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so now we get to anticipate eternity where things return to how they were. It will no longer be labor that we get to do. We get to enjoy the presence of God doing everything from not a laborious point of view, but from an opportunistic point of view. So what does the Sabbath day then look like if we do it God's way? It becomes a day where you rest from, yes, the normal duties of the other days. And that day is provided as not only a rest for you, but a rest for all those that are underneath your care. We get this in, in Exodus when we read in verses 8 to 11. It speaks to all those that work underneath you or with you, including the beasts and the animals that serve under you. It also says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the same thing, that when it's restating this, again, it reemphasizes that whoever works underneath you should be receiving rest. Your household, those that work with you. But beyond that, this day should be done in a way that it is a commitment to know God more. That the, the way the day should be used is to know God more. Consider this from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Where he says, I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between us. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So through the prophet Ezekiel, God says that by keeping the Sabbath, <coughs> it is a sign that you and I are in relationship with each other and that you're committed to that relationship. And it says that what will be indicative of that kind of practice by you keeping the Sabbath and having a day where it is given to the Lord and it's kept holy, set apart, and different, that you'll begin to know God more and more. So as you Sabbath and those underneath your care, you, by going there first, also guide them to understanding who God is and knowing him more. The psalmist even speaks to this in Psalm 46. What does it say? Be still and, and know that I'm God. There's something about stopping from the norms from that which we do through most of our days, and then doing something completely different that is centered and mindful of the Lord throughout that day. 
When you do that, you will discover then the joy of who God is and do so along with others. So this day is not only a sign of commitment to others, before others that you're committed to God, but it is also a testimony of your devotion. Let's read the Deuteronomy portion that's identical to Exodus 20, and it'll be on your screen. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. <coughs> Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. There is a direct connection in the way this is worded that the uniqueness of the nation of Israel among Egypt was also testified to by the way they lived their weeks out. There was a unique day by which they did Sabbath rest. Their mindfulness of the Lord, the way they practice it, that was a testimony as to who was leading them. It was not misunderstood as to who the powerful God of Israel was. Because they worshipped him and it was known by others. So in the way we practice our day, it's an opportunity to get to know the Lord more and to do so along with others. So to say that a Sabbath day can simply be accomplished by resting and hopping on your game station or falling asleep to a football game on TV is not sufficient as a way to spend a Sabbath day. Now... Can you be on a game station on Sabbath day? Can you watch a football game on, Sab on a Sabbath day? Sure. But it's not the definition of rest. And it not, should not be the design or the definition of how your day looks. Well, it's different from all my other days. Yes, but this day is to be set aside as different and holy. And holy. Mindful of the Lord. And so it's okay Yes, to on this day, simply go and recreate. And that can be a part of the day. But it is not, again, at the core of the day. We as a church during the summer do interest groups. And some of those interest groups use Sunday <coughs> as part of that day. There is a group that does convertible cruises. And they'll leave in the late afternoon and then they'll arrive somewhere and eat together. But they will have done so after having worshipped the Lord God that day. And then they interact with each other about what God uh, is doing in their life as they sit and break bread together in the evening. It is a unique day. But an even more lofty, holier act on Sunday done by an interest group is golf. And there's a golfing group that goes out and golfs in the evening. And, and I'll be honest, I've had some of my best conversations with people in the church while golfing with them as part of that interest group. It's a special opportunity to incorporate. Because, see, being part of the body of Christ and being together is part of how we can make this day uniquely set apart. Because more than likely, a lot of the other points in the, in the week, we're not interacting with each other. 
But then there's, yes, an importance to being together in worship on that day. There's a lot that is spoken to. Jesus was most criticized by the teachers of the law of his day about how he approached the Sabbath day. He would gather like everybody else, but it was the things he did in addition to that that they didn't resonate with. You see, they would do their prideful acts of practice in the temple, but then they would use the rest of the day to labor in the way they rested. And Jesus, while being confronted by them, says this in in Matthew chapter 12, that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. We have an opportunity to do good on the Sabbath. When you're being mindful of God, there's lots of things we can do on the Sabbath that can be good for the sake of others. Many of you serve in children's ministry on this day. Many of you serve in other ministries on this day. Some of you will be here tonight for crossover. God bless you as you serve our students on this day. Those things are good, and God affirms them. But it's also an opportunity, as Leviticus 23 and Acts chapter 20 both say this, that on this day of rest, it is an opportunity to gather with others to be mindful of God. In Leviticus 23, it was being mindful of Yahweh as as a nation. In Acts chapter 20, it was the gathering of believers and acknowledging that Yahweh sent his son Jesus as the Lord and Savior for them. It's an opportunity to be together and worship. It's also, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, an opportunity to tithe on that day, to bring your tithes to the house. Many of you kind of may think that it's just perfunctory statements when we say a part of our worship is to give. That is not meant to be just idle words. It is an actual biblical directive that says that when you gather to worship, bring the tithes to the house. So we gather together. We worship together. We break bread together. And for us now, post the cross, that breaking of bread helps us to be mindful of what Jesus did for us. His body which was lived for us and given up for us. His blood, which became the coverage of all the sins that we have done to alienate ourselves from God. And that blood covers all that. And now we get to break the bread and be remembering of that. Isn't that why Jesus says, remember me when you do this? Because again, there's a possibility that we would gather and break bread and and forget about why we're breaking bread together. So enjoy each other. Break bread together, but be mindful in the way you do it of God. You see, our worship, our gathering, our tithing, our breaking of bread, our recreating together, all the things that are done that are unique on this day are to be with the focal point of God And pleasing him and enjoying the pleasure of him with each other. Which leads to the last question to ask. Which day is this? Which day is this? Now I will tell you, this could be a study in and of itself. And there may not be a complete agreement. But I believe the way we should approach this is carefully in this. 
In Romans chapter 14, I want you to turn there just briefly. In Romans 14, it's getting towards the back end of your Bibles, but after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts and Romans, (coughs) chapter 14, says this. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they gave thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Basically, there is a sense of giving freedom to the day. There is a freedom that's given to the day. Because keep in mind, this went from a Jewish movement to a all-peoples movement. And so there was a challenge of merging the two, of Gentile and Jew coming together. How are we to practice? And, and so this all culminated into a council in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, where they're asking questions. What should we require of the Gentile in practicing of their faith? And what we're told is that there is liberty on this issue. But there's an invitation that is given to us to join the Jews in reading Scripture on the final day of the week, as known as the Sabbath that God instilled in the Genesis narrative. So that's why here at LAFC, we have readings known as Sabbath readings at 4 o'clock in this room every Saturday where we read from the Old Testament the books of the law and the prophets, and yes, we read into the New Testament. We do so as a bridge, acknowledging the long history of God's word being read on that day. But as the early church went on, they began to worship and gather on what they call the Lord's Day, which is the day of resurrection, and we celebrate on the first day of the week. Again, these things are not commanded directly, but it's a practice. And so what we have to acknowledge is that there are going to be different days by which somebody treats as Sabbath and holy than others. But the key thing we must hear in this is found in Colossians chapter 2. It says this, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that are to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ, the Messiah. You see, we're not to argue over these things. They're not to be a division among us. But we must also not dismiss Sabbath, for we would be disobedient in doing so. As Hebrews 4 says, practicing of the Sabbath reminds us that we are entering a final rest when we get to be with Father God. We no longer need to work as we have to work and labor now. We will receive that rest. And so the reality of found and by practicing Sabbath now is that we will remember that this is not meant to be the long-term pattern. The Sabbath day reminds us of that. And when you take that day and make it holy, being mindful of God, 
making it consistent, truly resting from all the things you would normally do, and making it a day that is special. You will discover your knowledge and understanding of God grows. Your relationship with him will become more evident to others. Your purposes will become aligned with his. Your perspective will be his perspective. And your productivity will be like it's never been before. But we are not to argue these things. We're merely to practice them. Because God knew we need it. It's not lost upon me that what this also reveals is that after God created mankind on day six, that on day seven, God gave a gift to what he created on day six. He gave a day by where man and God can commune together. God forgive us when we choose to make that day of rest anything else but that. We can enjoy this day as different from all other days. Enjoy our families. Enjoy our friends. But if it is void of God being the center of that day, we have missed out on our opportunity to know him more and to have him recalibrate our lives. God wants a relationship with his creation. Those who bear his image, which is why he says, so when you work, Stop so that we can spend time together. Let's pray. So Father God, I thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your word that teaches us anew. May we honor you with all that we do on this day. To your glory, I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. I have this tendency in my heart to get frustrated and even bitter when I get busy, when the schedule fills up. And usually what I'm hit with in those moments is the realization that I need my creator to step in and retune my heart to sing his praise. That the frustration and the busyness that I have is because I was not made to live like this. And my heart is prone to wander. It's prone to fill the schedule. It's prone to run away from this communing with God that I desire. And in those moments, I need to be reset. And I need to be tuned to sing his praise. So let's take this opportunity. Let's rest in the arms of our Savior and look forward to the day that he will give us eternal Sabbath.
We began this day worshiping together, and that's the right start to such a day. And so treat this day with whatever you have next, being mindful of God and not forsaking the opportunity to gather, to worship, to rest from the norms so that we can know God more for who he is because he desires a relationship with you. If you'd like to talk with someone and pray with someone, we'll have people in the encounter room that would be glad to pray with you. And if you would like to discover even more what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who becomes the bridge between us and God, again, we'll be glad to pray with you in that encounter room, or I'll be up front here and be glad to talk with you. So enjoy this day, being mindful of God, 
who set aside a day so that you and I, you and, I and him can get to know him all the more. Amen? You are dismissed. Enjoy this day.